This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? A new villain emerges. From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. (laughs) And the only one who can save this city is a creature of the night. Above Gotham looms its greatest hero. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And have we got a Christmas treat for you? Um, actually, that's an accident. I, I don't think any of us remember necessarily <laughs> that this was a Christmas movie before deciding to throw back. But um, we are kicking it back to 1992. And very excited to talk about Tim Burton's Batman Returns. So there was a lot of internal struggle and and remorse and discussion actually about whether it should be Batman or Batman Returns. Um, I am just slightly more inclined to Batman Returns myself, primarily just because of Catwoman and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, But really, both the movies are such classics. And I'm very excited that we're talking about it because I feel like in the whole Nolanization of the Batman genre, and, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. He did such great things with the films. I feel like people have forgotten the the weirdness and the and the the gritty, grimy, but like also genuinely oddness of um, Tim Burton's Batman. And I really loved revisiting it. I always switch between Batman and Batman Returns. Like I oscillate. Sometimes my favorite is Batman. Sometimes my favorite is Batman Returns, depending on the mood, depending on the time of year or when I'm watching it. Um, But I, I love this movie so much, like so, so much. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it. Uh, I, I've, I've seen it so many, many times as a Batman movie and now as a holiday movie. Um, but it is a product of, of, of its time, right? Like it, it's very likely that if you didn't grow up in the 90s um, and if you weren't part of the hype, then you don't get why these movies are a big deal compared to Nolan's trilogy and, and now the Batman, which is completely understandable. Lah. I think there's no objective way to review this, actually. It's, it's such a 90s fever dream. And most of it is hinged on nostalgia and the kind of like nuclear buzz and hype that surrounded the movie at the time. Um, out of context, I, I don't know what this movie is. It, it's a wild, wild trip, this thing. <laughs> well, okay, look, I, I have a theory that this this Batman in particular, both Batman and Batman Returns actually cannot be judged by uh, the same standards as you would apply to the Nolan or to the the mm. Batman. It yeah. is just very difficult because um, they don't have plots, actually. I mean, let's be frank. If you look at Batman Returns, there is absolutely no plot. Um, it veers wildly from like some 
you know, biblical inspired child kidnapping plot to like <laughs> missile penguins to like, you know, it just goes and then feminism. So it, it veers wildly. It does not actually have a plot. Um, I think that it has to be viewed as a mood and a vibe more so than a movie where you're actually trying to understand um, people's motivations or actually you can understand people's motivations, but you can't really follow the plot as such. I don't think the strength of the film lies in its story. No, and and actually it's maybe best watched now in in today's world as a bridge between the corny, ultra corny TV show Batman, the Adam West style, uh, but also the the generally not taken super seriously comic book vibes of the early Batman comic books and this the these films are the product of that but wanting to capture the the the, the weirdness of that genre but make it actually weirdly um serious and serious in a way that uh, the story is silly. There's so much silliness going on, but it's not nearly as silly as Batman and Robin or Batman Forever. Um, you know, this is early Tim Burton. There's so much pathos to a lot of the the story. Uh, you know, Penguin is such an unlikable character, but also you empathize with him. There are moments in the film where you're genuinely like, man, what broke you? Like, what this? What must this be like? Um, there's so much to this movie that I love. I, I love how it looks. I, look, I love how it feels. Um, I also just love that it is unabashed in its oddness, um, even when it comes to beloved characters like Batman and Catwoman. I don't think Tim Burton gets enough credit for the kind of balancing act he did, um, blending his kind of kooky, weird style with the with the darkness of like the Batman comics and, and the source material, right? Um, one of my favorite things about Batman Returns, and, and even more than Batman 89, is that as much as it is a Batman movie and a comic book movie, it's also very, very, very much a Tim Burton dreamscape of sorts. Um, like the, the costumes are super outlandish and the, the crazy hairstyles and Gotham looks like it's made out of cardboard and styrofoam, but in the best way, like in the best like Tim Burton way. Um, Danny Elfman's score is, is by far my favorite Batman theme to this day, like not even Hans the Zimmer's. The of it, the, the, yeah, the constant yeah. nails on, on chalkboard background is awesome. It's awesome. It's so good. Daniel Elfman's score is so good. Um, and as much as I appreciate the the serious Batman movies that came after, like the Nolans and Matt Reeves and to a certain extent, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, there is an element of cartoonish sort of darkness and mild horror that works perfectly for Gotham and Batman that's missing from those movies. And like like these movies set the bar for Mila in terms of what Batman movies could be. And I sometimes miss that very cool blend of like zany, comical, dark fun from stuff like Batman Returns. There's something to be said, you know, about films being made by people who don't love the source material. Because um, mm. the I, I think that Tim Burton and Batman are really a match made in... Heaven seems a little, <laughs> you know, strange to say. Gotham. Hell is, in Gotham. Is dark, but yeah. In Gotham, yeah. Because, um, you know, his sort of dark comic sensibilities always meant that playing, uh, like directing a movie about a guy who's obsessed with bats, um, you know, makes complete sense. Um, but then I think it's worth also saying that 
Batman Returns was written by Daniel Waters, who has said that he actively disliked Batman 89, that he did not like any part of it, Mm. that he did not want to continue the story, that he doesn't care what the fans want, that he is instead interested in, and I'm quoting, I think, making art. And so I think that there's something (laughs) to be said, because now there's so much um, emphasis that's placed on if somebody is making a comic book movie, what is their relationship with the comic? What is their relationship with the character? And then they have to come out and like write op-eds and give long articles about how and they just were lie. five. Just basically lie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And be like, yes, yes, I once saw a Black Widow spider and you know what that made me think of? Scarlett Johansson. And like, it just doesn't make sense. But this film is meant as, I think, not a tribute to Batman, but just a film about Batman. Oh, actually, I would argue that it's a film about Catwoman and Penguin, but it's mm. um, but it's made all the better for it. So they, in modern times, not only are creators supposed to sort of keep parading this this, uh, you know, their comic book nerd chops. The other thing that has become the thing to do is to kind of, oh, but this is why the story is continuously relevant. This is the commentary we're making on the world we live in. Um, it's not just a comic book; it is, in fact, existentialism. I mean, Tim Burton doesn't seem to care about that. He's like, actually, there's value in celebrating this exactly what this. This is a man dressed in a bat suit, a woman who fell off a building and apparently turned into a cat. That's okay. <laughs> None of this makes sense. And actually, you said horror, Arvind, and I and I think that's quite spot on, right? Because there's so much about this movie that feels like it could belong in a horror film. Like Penguin, sometimes, you know, with the black goo leaking out of his nose and face, mm. objectively is difficult to look at. He's straight up a horror movie character. But even um, Catwoman, who is supposed to be your femme fatale, has many scenes where the things she does are kind of gross. Like you, you feel actively uncomfortable, almost veering on like body horror. Um, and I love that about this film. I don't think it any of the other Batman movies have managed to achieve or, or capture the the genuine horror that can actually lie at the, the heart of the Batman story. And it's also so funny, right, that Joel Schumacher takes the blame for, quote-unquote, ruining Batman with Batman Forever. Um, too campy, too cheesy, but... I, I think really like people should revisit Batman Returns if you have if, if you haven't seen it in a while and reassess the the situation because it's easy to lump um, Batman Returns with Batman eighty nine and remember it as like a dark and gritty and and um, very serious film but there's way more camp and cheese in Returns than eighty nine um, Penguin is on a giant rubber ducky thing and and he has like like Lynn you mentioned like actual penguins with rocket launchers and goggles on them like a penguin army not people as penguins but a penguin <laughs> army um, and, and Selena Kyle is doing like one-liners and puns and sexual like, innuendo in, in like the tightest leather suit that has been made for screen so it's a it's a bizarre movie la. And, and I think it's safe to say that Tim Burton brought back the camp and the silly humor in Batman Returns before Batman Forever ever did and he just knew how to balance both la. I was wondering about that, you know, because people tend to quote um, Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze a lot, um, understandably. (laughs) But why isn't anyone saying, I'm hungry, eat floor? That's a weird repartee. (laughs) Some of the lines are so bad, but so good. Yeah, it's genuinely weird. And I feel like people don't talk about it enough. I really think a lot of people have not rewatched this recently. (laughs) Um, We're talking today about Batman Returns, uh, 1992. It's directed by Tim Burton, written by Daniel Waters, Michael Keaton, 
Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken. Uh, we'll come back and talk about them a little bit more. Let us know if you've watched or rewatched this recently. Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. Admiring your handiwork? Touring the riot scene. Upstanding mayor stuff. You're not the mayor. Things change. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. <laughs> you don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. <sighs> Meow. BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Charmila and Arvin and together we're throwing it back to 1992 and Batman Returns, directed by Tim Burton, uh, written by Daniel Waters, starring Michael Keaton as the bat, uh, Danny DeVito as the penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and I, I well, and Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Hmm. So I, I want to talk about the cast. Um, let's save Michael Keaton for later because I think, you know, he, we've seen him recently. But I really think the baddies or at least the grey folk, <laughs> if, if you want to call Catwoman a grey folk, um, are tremendous in this movie. You could argue I think it's more their film than the others. Uh, it's more their film than Bruce Wayne's film. Actually, I was surprised at how much less we saw of Bruce Wayne and Batman compared to Penguin and Catwoman. I mean, he and Max Shrek probably get about the same amount of screen time. I mean, and, and that's fine. I mean, I don't think it's a it's it's to the movie's detriment. I think the movie recognizes that actually Batman gets a lot of his meaning and his space in the film from the way he relates to these other characters. But oh my gosh, Catwoman is probably my favorite on-screen supervillain, if, if, if we can call her villain. Um, and I think there's a reason why nobody has been able to nail this role the way Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie does. There's just It's as if the role was written for her. I also think that this movie had like uh, the impossible task of replacing Jack Nicholson um, as the villain. Right? Like, like, how do you replace Jack Nicholson as your villain? And, and the fact that they got Danny DeVito, who was not yet that Danny DeVito at the time and Michelle Pfeiffer to be villains and they both gave it, they just gave it their all and you can see that. It's like the the making of uh, videos had her, had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer training to to use the whip and then doing her own stunts and then she did that. The scene where she knocks the heads off the mannequins with the whip mm. was done in one take, like the first take she got all of it and that is just incredible stuff. That's, that is dedication that you don't even have to put into a movie like Batman Returns, like right at the time. Um, and then Danny DeVitola with the... Is he, uh, the he just he this is my first introduction to Danny DeVito as an actor so even though I've been watching him on Always Sunny for 15 years he still is Penguin to me um, and I can't unsee Penguin it's it's one of the best villains I've seen on screen also um, just that that performance and the the prosthetics and him as a character right it's so frightening but also so goofy um, and so him, it's so him. Like I don't, I can't picture anyone else doing what he did for the role. It's disgusting in a good way. <laughs> I, I mean that in like yep. the best way possible. But it's so gross to look at. And um, I think the commitment is a good point because I the amount, the sheer 
kind of histrionics that Michelle Pfeiffer goes to while also pulling it back and being subtle. You know, just that kind of woman losing her mind, losing her sense of self um, while doing the cartwheels and the whips and the meow and the bird eating. Like all when of that. When half her hair is just popping out popping of her out. mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Also, she did actually put a live bird in her mouth. I, oh. I was reading about that. That is a live bird. Oh um, my God. She said she, in retrospect, she would not have done it. But I think that mm. that speaks to the commitment. Um, Danny DeVito designed his own black sliver. Like, there's just a lot of stuff <laughs> that the two of them did. His for... sheer outfit. Like, how is he moving around? There's one part where I don't even think it's a body double. He's like rolling on the floor wearing that, that, that oval bodysuit. How? Yeah. They put an air bladder in it to make it lighter. Because otherwise, I think he would have just been really struggling yeah. with it. So, um, yeah, there's just all this stuff that goes into making those performances really memorable. Um, and then I think Christopher Walken is just having, frankly, a really good time playing mm. just the slimiest villain. Which brings us then to Bruce Wayne and Michael Keaton. And this is... I will say the last time he legitimately played the role, maybe we'll just put it that way, that, that he actually had like a full storyline and, you know, that he starred in it. Um, and I have to say, I really, I really, really miss Michael Keaton as Batman. I do. I, I, it was such a good fit. I miss him as Batman. And you know how it's also become the thing now to say, right? Oh, Michael Keaton... Um, was a Tim Burton Batman. He would never be the Bruce Wayne of today. He's not good looking enough. He's not suave enough. He's just kind of odd. Actually, when you watch him in Batman Returns, I was thinking, he's plenty suave. What's everyone talking about? He actually nails the Bruce Wayne just as well as he does the Batman. Interesting. I couldn't decide. I kept, ah. I, I kept vacillating between, I can't tell what's happening. I can't tell if he's appealing. I can't tell if he's good looking. But I think it works because even Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle, sure, you can tell she's very attractive, but she's also just odd. So the both of them are mm. just such odd ducks together that you're kind of like, oh, this is the world. This is the world you live in where this is what suave and hot is. A pair of odd giant ducks yes. ridden by a penguin man. <laughs> Oh, their chemistry is so good on screen. They on screen, it's so so good. Um, Michael Keaton has always been my favorite Batman slash Bruce Wayne, um, and this version of Batman uh, from '89 and from Returns, like the suit, the cave, the car, the Alfred, the voice, um, has also been my favorite. Um, and and there's one thing I think that this Batman has that we haven't seen since, and that is the the cockiness and the confidence and the kind of thrill of being Batman, which is, is like an essential part of the character. Right? We all, without we being see... the Clooney. Without being the Clooney OTT, like grinning yeah, in yeah, his yeah. suit. No, without being the, the the super cartoony, like, you know, Clooney or even Val Kilmer to a certain extent. Um, because we always see like the, the struggle and the brooding and the darkness, which is also who he is. But I've always loved the kind of calmness of Keaton's performance. Um, he's wearing like his reading glasses in the cave and he's eating like cold soup. Um, he's cracking jokes with Alfred and he's messed up. Like, you know, he's drawn to people like him and the chaos and people like Selena Kyle and he's drawn to unhinged people. Um, I love how Keaton brings all of that to life without even, without saying much, actually. There's not a lot of dialogue that he has. I was thinking about the suit um, because mm. we've talked about, um, we've talked about penguins 
deal. <laughs> we, we've <laughs> talked about um, Catwoman's cat suit, and they're really great. I really actually really love the stitching quality in um, in the cat suit. It mm. it goes a long way to its creating that look. Um, but there is a scene in this film where Michael Keaton rips off the helm. <laughs> And just sort of like tears it <laughs> off his head. And I found myself um, both longing for the sort of DIY cartoon quality of that and also being weirdly grateful for the, the new eyeliner guys <laughs> that have shown up with their cool six-pack suits. So, you know where the age and the... the rough around the edge quality actually really shows for this movie is in the action, right? Because um, when they start fighting or like uh, doing what were probably very cool stunts back in the day, now it just looks like the kind of level you'd get in a made-for-TV movie. Um, and that's not to say it's not great fun to watch, but really this Batman is not the Batman that's going to whoop like 40 villains and emerge without a scratch. I mean, he barely survives Catwoman. Um, and and there's, a, there's a sort of hammy, real quality to the fights and the action, which is off a piece with this film, but I don't think will appeal to the superhero watcher of today. At the same time, right, like sometimes I think about it's amazing how much this movie shaped the Batman mythos and franchise moving forward. And I don't know if the movie gets enough credit for it. Like, it reinvented Penguin. Like, he was a normal guy in the comics. Like, you know, he didn't look like this. Uh, he didn't have, like, flippers for, for, for hands or, you know, look anything like the Tim Burton creature creation that we saw. Um, every Catwoman since has tried to capture that like sexy slash dangerous vibe that Michelle Pfeiffer made her signature and it's in impossible to do. And then you have Batman, the animated series, like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as Joker, probably the default standard for anything Batman, um, premiered months after Batman Returns, right? Um, there's so much in this movie in every other Batman movie that you can recognize. So I guess like just credit where credit is due, you know, it, it did a lot of heavy lifting actually. All of which to say, if you have not rewatched it recently or you've never watched it ever, would strongly recommend. But, you mm. know, kind of gird your loins, buckle up. Um, it, it's a very, very weird ride. We've been talking today about Batman Returns from 1992. Um, of course, directed by Tim Burton. Let us know if you let us know your thoughts. I think that's the only way I can think to end the show because it's a weird one. Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.